For information about investing in character-led companies, please visit www.rocinvestments.com and join the growing number of investors choosing to make character a priority when investing their money. Hello, welcome to another podcast uh, with me, your, your host, Dan Cooper, and this is the Return on Character podcast. I am the founder and CEO of Rock Investments, an investment strategy that allocates capital on the basis of the character of leadership in public markets. But we also like to talk to any and everyone who might care about character in the world as a, as a subject for pursuit, development, and in, improvement. And tonight we, we got a pretty special uh, individual uh, who who embodies that in a way that uh, few do in the world. And uh, Chip Tupa is her name. She is a coach, uh, an executive coach that has taken many of the practices of Return on Character, uh, Fred Keel's book, uh, and implemented in her life's work. And I just want to welcome you and thank you for being here uh, to talk about what you do. Uh, and 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 give us your thoughts. So welcome. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much, Dan. Measure's mine. Thank you. You know, you 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 came recommended um, to me uh, not just as a as a as a another guest that might care about character, but as a as somebody that truly has kind of picked up the mantle of the subject and worked to try to impact the world uh through its values um and 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 so i'm really excited to talk to you and this is this is the first time by the way we've ever had a chance to really talk everyone so so it's this is going to be fun and fresh for me but for starters just why don't you give us an introduction of who and what you're doing today and then um i'll probably ask you a little bit about your past, you can go into that and how, how you came to today, but then ultimately let's have a discussion about the things you care about most, um, as it relates to, to, to what you pursue in the world today. So go ahead. I'll please, please tell me your, tell, let's start with your story. Right. So, um, you know, so currently I, as you said, um, I do executive development coaching and, um, I do this mostly with leadership teams. Um, and most of the teams that I work with, I would say 90% are white male. I've done that for about the last 15 years in different um, geographies of the world. Um, I really enjoy the work that I do. Um, you know, I find it impactful. I've seen changes. I've seen things that haven't worked, things that have worked. Um, yeah, it just it's just... You know, it's it's I, I enjoy it, especially, I think, because perhaps people don't see me coming. Um, and so and when why I, is that? Why, why is that? Why do you think people don't see you coming? <laughs> I think people don't see me coming because they don't. Well, first of all, I mean, yes, from my name, but people don't know where is this name from, you know, so they kind of think I don't know what they think, but. You know, as I enter as a black woman into many leadership spaces, um, you know, it's sort of I can see the look on other people's faces in terms of, okay, what have we got here? What's going to happen here? 
um, you know, how is she, how could she possibly be in here and what is she going to teach us? Um, and I think that that, I think that's exciting for me anyway, because, well, so far it's ended up with great collaboration, um, you know, getting to know how leadership teams work and also changing them ultimately. Uh, so I would like to think that when I walk into all of these spaces, you know, um, I walk in with excellence, I walk in with integrity, I walk in as a role model so that these leadership teams can actually see, you know what, we can actually have black people in leadership um, and we can learn from each other. So that's why I love the work that I do. Okay. Well, you mentioned your name. And and I that's a neat entree into how to you get your know, name and what's the, what's the history behind your name because it is so unique and beautiful. Um, tell us about that and and that might give us a little bit of window into how you got to doing what you're doing today. Right, excellent. So my name originally comes from Zambia. My father um, is from Zambia and my mother's from Trinidad and Tobago, um, and. So I'm, you know, so when they chose my name, I'm not sure that my mother really liked the name. She's like, okay, here we go. We need to go along with my husband's naming of his two daughters. So they're two of us, my sister and I. And I got the name Chitupa. And as I was growing up, um, I had a nickname, which was Chichi. And I then went to boarding school in the UK and I reverted back to my name Chitupa. I don't really know why, but... Everyone was very formal within the British system. And everyone pronounced my name beautifully. I then went to, to university at SMU in Dallas, Texas. And what I realized in class is that none of the professors would ask me any questions, even though my hand was, you know, up in the air, or whatever. And they would say, you know, they'd be saying, oh, Sam, you, you, you know, tell us about this. Or Jane, you tell us about this. Or Dan, explain this no one would ever say my name. So the one day I went up to a professor and I said, um, you never call on me. And he said, you know what? I just can't pronounce your name. I just can't do it. <laughs> so I thought to myself, okay. Um, so then I reverted back to Chi-Chi again. And as I went into corporate life, what I noticed was that my name diminished even more. So people start calling me Chi-Chi. And then they decided that was too long. They started calling me Chi. And then one day, I remember I was in a really important meeting. And the guy across from me said, hey, C, what do you think of that? And I said, I'm not a C. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really not a C. I cannot, my name has now diminished from Chitupa to a C. Um, and so... My father died about 10 years ago, and when he died, I really wanted to know where this name came from. Um, and I discovered that the name actually is, it means identity. Um, and um, it used to be an identity card that indigenous Zambians used to walk around with um, to show, it was like a, let's call it like a national sort of internal passport that you needed to everywhere. And it was called a Chitupa. And when I realized that it was um, an identity document, I just kind of really embraced that. And I said, guys, 
everyone in the world now has to call me Chitupa. I'm reclaiming my name. It is really important. And it also really resonated with me in terms of, you know, organizations need to find their, their identity. Leadership needs to find their identity. Individuals need to, to find their identity. Who are you in the world? You need to have confidence and you need to know and, and, and find your identity. So there we go. It's Chitupa. It's originally from Zambia. And, you know, anyone who tries to detract from from that, the fullness of that name, I sort of bring them back to it. So that's where it comes from, Dan. Well, the other thing that has to happen is people have to respect the name and respect your name. And, and, uh, and most of us don't have to demand that you respect our names. You know, um, in, in pulling the professor aside and giving them a linguistics, you know, lesson to be able to say, hey, this is how you, how you do it. And, and to full knowledge, uh, Tatupa did it for me too. Uh, and prior to this to make sure that I got it right. Um, well, that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating story. I, 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 it, it teases us up for, um, for what I'd like to do is like to just go a little deeper because to me, your experience, I mean, you're incredibly unique and just the, the it, that you've had experiences as African, do you, how it, do you it, say African American or African British? What do you, do you say African? What is your. It is. Um, so it's, it's really funny. Cause like when people ask me like, where do you come from? Right. I say, that's not a two minute question. That is an hour long question. So. How do I identify myself really is I identify, you know, I say that I am black British of African and Caribbean heritage. And behind that, actually, you know, I've got grandparents who come from Scotland and Venezuela and Spain. So it's, it's, it's not a simple question. And, and, but however, so the socialization of the world is that, okay, this is what she looks like. She's a black woman, end of story. You know, it's, it, but there's so much depth and heritage and ancestry with all that. So that, that's how I identify myself. And um, as you've asked me that question, I was hoping you'd ask me that question. Um, I, had, I had written a poem not too long ago um, with... Uh, a man by the name of Fred Keel, who has passed on now. And I wrote this poem and I said, what do you think of this poem in terms of when he was asking me, who am I? So I'm going to just read a few snippets for you, if that's okay. I would love it. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Okay, so it starts off, I am from. I am from red, yellow, green, and even brown curries all spicy, thick, and slowly cooked with loving hands and mediocre palates. I am from pure coconut milk and Indian ocean waters and homegrown aloe vera being massaged into my locks by wrinkled and worn out chocolate-hued hands. I am from my mother's Trinidadian impatient womb being burst into my first breath 
I am from the earthy smells of thick and uneven droplets of rain, conjured up from the rich red African soil of my father's footsteps. I am from the joyful and excitable Champs-Élysées in Paris, the racist comments from Dallas, the beautiful walks along the Thames, the suspicious and peering looks in the jewelry shop. I am from every one of you who smiled at me or who did not, who said hello to me or who did not, who heard to me or who did not, who loved me or who did not. I am from, I am from the red, yellow, green and Ethan brown curries, all spicy thick and slowly cooked with loving hands and mediocre color. So that's just a snippet from my poem. But uh, that was yeah, unbelievably beautiful. Oh, Honestly, I mean, you know, I have to sit here. I'm sitting here. And the grace that you're showing me. And consequently, the rest of us in taking the time to explain all this when most of us don't have to. Right. I mean, you are affording me an insight into your world that you shouldn't you 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 have no obligation to you know um but you you you're you're helping us in understand your experience because it's so unique and in 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 a weird way it's a kind of injustice that it's that that we even have to ask you these questions questions or we don't have to or that you are posed these questions because I think it makes us all richer for, for knowing it and you being disproportionately rich uh, in who you are as a consequence of your background but I'm just grateful for the grace that you show us um, and being able to give us context for for your lived experience um, because you know that's no one asked me about my lived experience, you know, and we, you know, and and yours is is fascinating. And but but to to go deeper into that is, you know, you also are just showing up like the rest of us, trying to make a difference in the world, and uh, and and you're contributing with excellence. You know, uh, I want to hear more about that. You know, like tell me about your life's passion and work and. And uh, and now that you you so graciously give us context for for what you done done today, I mean I, I I was very privileged to have been brought up with you know with a set of parents who really thrive um, on excellence and you know as as both my sister and I were growing up, the one thing that that they always instilled with us was that it wasn't perfection, it was excellence. You do your best. You always do your best. Um, and the other thing that they really instilled in me was integrity. Um, I, you know, they, they always said that you can't buy integrity. You can't. You have, your character is there with you and people will see who you are by, by your character. So 
long before I even came to this type of work, and I think that's why it resonated with me, I was just like, you know, it was something that was instilled in me that you don't even, I mean, I was brought up in, I mean, I was brought up in a household where I was never told that I was a black person. And I also was never told that I was a woman or a girl. So we never had conversations saying, oh, you're black, so you, so this means ABC. And I also can't remember a conversation where either one of my parents said, you're a girl, so it means ABC. What they had conversations about were about character, about who you were, about, you know, you need to look at your value system. You need to, you know, you need to... Um, walk and in this world with a set of values that you can uphold wherever you go and that you you have to defend now that to me is sort of that to me is character work there even though it wasn't defined within that context um and so you know i've i've been coaching now for over 15 years as i said with leadership in different geographies, um, you know, and I've had clients all over the world. And it was during COVID where I reached out to KRW International and they do um, a lot of character work, return on character. Um, I'd seen the book, you know, written by Fred Keel. And I reached out to Kelly, who is, who is the CEO um, of KRW International. And I just sent a note on LinkedIn. And, you know, I've sent notes to lots of people and they never reply, but she did. Um, and she replied. And I honestly, as soon as she replied, we just started building a relationship. And it was during COVID. And I'm sure you have also experiences of people that you met through COVID that I just think that, I mean, there were things that happened in COVID and people that we all met that we never would have met had it not been for COVID. And it just so happened that when we connected and she started talking about this, I just thought, wow, this is incredible, incredible work um, around return on character and there's data to back it up. I mean, I knew from my own sort of life experiences that this works, but now there's data to back it up and it's you know, um, it's, it's, there's, there's this model around it and, um, it's done within leadership teams and it's transformational. And so that's really how I started getting into the character work. And as a result of that, I then met Fred and Fred and I on Fred Keel's who was the chairman of um, KRW International and had written the book on Return on Character. Um, we met, and on the surface, it looked as if we were extremely different. I mean, everything seemed to be very different with us, you know? Um, you know, I was British, he was American. Um, he was white, I'm black. Um, you know, it. he was older... I'm younger. Um, you know, I love sort of being in cosmopolitan places. He's near Amish country. I mean, it was it was just polar opposites on the surface, right? Um, however, 
as we started engaging with each other and doing work together, and we actually did work with um, leadership teams in, in Liberia as well, we just resonated on so many levels because we, we had this understanding that we both wanted to change the world to be just a better place for every single person and for everyone to be fully seen. And I, you know, what really resonated with me was his sense of one, humility, right? Because he came to me the one day and he said, you know what, Chitupa, I have been living in a white bubble. I have never considered myself to be racist. And you know what? I truly believed him. I mean, I believe Red. I, I, I believe that context. Um, but with that, I said, okay, uh, do you want to learn more? Do you want to learn more about this subject matter, about, you know, inclusion? And then, you know, we had, we had um, George Floyd and all that around it. And so the thing with Fred is that he was hungry. He was like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh, what resources can I get a hold of? What networks can I plug in? He was really genuinely interested in inclusion. And so as we talked more, I said to Fred, the return on character model, what about if we use this in the inclusion space? Let us see how we can do that. And it, for me, it just all clicked into place, quite frankly. Because I hadn't seen it be ice, and I still haven't. But if we were to take the four keystone habits there in terms of inclusion, it, it just made sense. So if we take, I mean, the, the one that, that I suppose jumps out is compassion, right? And compassion really is all about, you know, as, as defined by Kara W and which I stand by, is that... It's not just about looking at other people who are different from you or in different circumstances and say, oh, you know, um, I feel really bad about that. Oh, that must be so difficult, right? It's not that. It's going beyond that and putting yourself in their shoes and saying, this is not right. We've got to change this, okay? And so how do we change this? Through, you know, Fred and I then, we started writing. We started writing a book. And, and what we learned is that we have to do this together. We have to do this together. It Two unlikely mean, souls meeting, meeting exactly, in the middle to, to actually absolutely. produce something. Yeah. yeah. And, and so what evolved out of that is that if two of us who, who was who's, you know, on the surface seemed to be so different, could come together and do this type of work, then everyone, really everyone can do it. You're not too late to, be, you know, you're not too old to be able to do this work. You're, you're not. You then, like, there are no excuses. Okay, you say that, you, you know, there are no other you know, non-white people in your, in your county or in your village or wherever you are. That's not an excuse anymore. 
you know, you can get on Zoom, you can you can meet <laughs> people. Do you know what I mean? It's not an excuse totally. then. So it's sort of, you know, we really interrogated all the excuses and we said there's absolutely no excuse for for exclusionary behavior. And so we started you know, we started with our life stories and our life experiences, and we looked at it through the eyes of exclusion. And what became very evident for us was that Fred had experienced a lot of exclusion in his life, even before I had as a young boy. And every single person, if, if you can think about, if you think about it, Dan, you also have had experiences where you have felt excluded. Uh -huh. It is uh -huh. something that we can all identify with, whether it was being bullied in school, whether it was you were at a family gathering and someone didn't want to talk to you. In all areas of life, if you look at your whole life and through the lens of exclusion, you will see that you, will, that you have been excluded somewhere. And so we, that was the starting point to say, how does that feel? That feels awful, right? That feels dreadful. Um, the difference is that, you know, I'm excluded because of the way that I look, my skin color, and saw a lot of people in this world, right? That is not why you're excluded. So I can't, I can't go and change that. You may be excluded for something else. You can you can change that perhaps. So how do we come together through this model of these four character habits, keystone habits as it's known, um, in terms of return on character? Which could you is, list them? List them again yes, for us. Yes, yes. So compassion, as I had talked about. Then the next one is responsibility. Right? How do I take how do we both, so we're doing this together, right? How do I take responsibility in terms of me saying, okay, this is where I am on the journey, right? And then there's Dan as well. How do you take responsibility of where you are on this journey? There are a lot of people, there are a lot of black people that I talk to who said, I'm not willing, I'm not willing to teach, I'm not willing to show, you know, I'm exhausted etc. And I get that 100%, right? I really, really understand that. And I get that. However, my take is that in order for us to move forward, <laughs> we both have to give. We both have to give. And we both have to look for a new way forward. So that's really, you know, what responsibility is all about. Then there is integrity. Integrity really is about what I say I shall do, I will do. It's being in alignment. So when you see me here as, you know, as Chitupa, and I say, you know, especially within an organizational context, perhaps, you know, guys, we're really going to put together an inclusion strategy that we're going to implement. And this organization within the next two years is going to look feel and be very different and our results are going to be so much better as well we're going to be serving new types of individuals making new types of investments when i say that i'm not saying that because it sounds good for the press 
I'm saying that because after I've said this, I'm then going to get all the necessary resources to ensure that that is done. I'm going to look at structures, processes, systems, equity. I'm going to look at the whole enchilada. So what I say I'm going to do, uh -huh. I'm going to do, right? Integrity. Uh -huh. Integrity. Then there is forgiveness. Now, forgiveness, you know, in the inclusion space, I think it's also really powerful. It's a really, and it's very powerful in terms of, of character as well. Because forgiveness is about recognizing and acknowledging that we've all made mistakes. It's not one group that's made a mistake. It's all of us that have made mm -hmm. different types of mistakes along the way, right? Mm -hmm. And coming to the acknowledgement that we have made mistakes, some of those mistakes are worse than others, However, what is the goal here? The goal here is to move forward and create another type of world, a different type of organization, a different family dynamic. So what we need to do, we need to forgive each other and we need to now focus in on the way forward. The way forward is to forgive and to start building authentic relationships. I mean, if you think of just like a normal relationship that you're in, if you're always going to be going down to the lowest denominator of what each individual did, I mean, it's just not going to progress that relationship. Do you know what I mean? It's just, you're going to be stuck there all the time. And you're just not going to build trust because as you move forward, you know, the back of your head, you're like, oh gosh, they're going to come with that. They're going to you know, hit me over with that. So forgiveness is so powerful in terms of how can we now innovate? How can we move forward? You know, what can we do in terms of building a new legacy together? And, and I would like to believe that, that I'm a legacy builder. That's where I find my passion in terms of yeah, we can, do, we can do something different and each one of us can do it. So we need to give and we need to, and we need to do it together. And uh, yeah, we, we just do not only be compassionate towards each other, but also, you know, provide self-compassion. Because I think that in many spaces that I go into, you know, that we have to have compassion for each other, but also self-compassion. And now let's get to work. I, I mean, you so elegantly have taken the four character habits into a new universe of application, which is which which is kind of an, now that you play it out like this, it's so, duh. I mean, it's like of course, of course, this is this is a form fitted solution to an inclusion type of uh, solving inclusion type problems and and differences amongst us problems. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty powerful. Uh, let me, let me maybe push you in the direction of, you mentioned the book as, yes. as context for trying to explain possibly this application, uh, yes. for use of the character habits. Uh, what was your hope to, to, for the book? Where does the book stand? 
and then what would be its use, you know, in an ideal certain circumstance, uh, at, you know, once it once it's released and, and available to to the world. Right. Thanks. So the the book really is a book. Are you there, Dan? Yes. Okay. Brilliant. Sorry. Let's start again because you got frozen there. Yeah. Um, That's okay. If it if it freezes, it it actually catches up for itself. So oh, don't, right. don't okay. worry Sorry about, about that. Um, right. So so the book really is um, about lived experiences of both Fred Keel and myself um, in from the lens of through storytelling. So and we wanted to exclusion. So it it talks about. You know, it, it's really in storytelling so that we could and it would also they could also sort of open up their eyes to, wow, I I would have never um, identified with as many people as possible. And they could identify with our stories as well. And I thought that was a thing I would have never would have never, you know, you know, like a story as an example, I was telling um one of my friends' story as to how whenever I go shopping, I always have to get the receipt at the end, right? Um, and she said, why? I said, because if I'm stopped and I don't have a receipt, then the amount of interrogation that I have to go through would be so much than, than you, right? And she said, what? And I said, yeah, I always have to ask. I mean, I've done it all my life and it is now, have you paid for your for your shopping? And I'm just like, of course, do you see what I mean? Necessary because I've even seen it when I'm, you know, when they stop, they, they just do a random check and say, you know. So, so these are things that white people may not even be aware happens. But this is, but this is, this is my lived experience. So we wanted it to be super relatable, um, and and then Fred did exactly the same in terms of. Um, you know the sort of family that he came from, and how, and how these exclusionary circumstances they shape your life, and what do you do when you're in them, right? So, so it starts off with a lot of of, of storytelling, but then what it then does is that it says, okay, now that you can identify that, and also you as the reader can also think of many circumstances where you have felt excluded, um, what is it that we can do together? So there are, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of questioning and enabling, I suppose, the reader to become vulnerable and to say, okay, what can I, what change can I make? Because I think a lot of white audiences are either stuck where they are or they're annoyed or they are completely worn out um, when it comes to anything related to racism, inclusion, diversity, equity, there's a switch off button. And so what we're saying is, guys, don't switch off. Please don't switch off. At least put the switch back on, right? Are actually ways that we can show you in very, very simple ways that you can start with your family, can start with your organization, because this is these are now behavioral changes that have to occur, right? Um, and so we give you a step-by-step -step guide that says you in 28 days, you can do something 
different every single day to move towards inclusion. So super practical. Like super practical. Absolutely. Um, and and yeah, and that's what we really loved about it. Um, and then we just, you know, we give many other examples. So if you're someone, you know, who wants to start off on that. So we're giving journeys, inclusion journeys you can go on, right? If you want to start with a 28-day um, practice, do that. See how that goes, right? Um, if it is that you want to go on a longer journey or a slightly different journey, then we give you something to go on there. So, because everyone is at a different place. Some people might be, oh, I've done this. Oh, I, I understand this. Oh, some people might be, I have no idea how to start. I don't know where to look. And then, you know, we just give- I think sort that's of most of us. Most of <laughs> us is like, we have no idea. So I'm sitting here going, how do I get on a journey program? I need one. Exactly. You know, like that's- exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, so that's really um, what it is. And- I would say that, yeah, it's super exciting. So it's written and, you know, some people may not know that in the middle of writing of the book that unfortunately, you know, Fred passed away. So <laughs> we really want this book to be part of a legacy building book that will change the world and that, you know, everyone can talk about around you know, their dining room tables and when they're eating and all their picnic tables or their boardroom tables, whatever the table is, please start talking about it and implementing it. You can discuss this with your children. You know, it shows way how to navigate when you have some members of your family who are on board, so you're a family, but you know, if you discuss this with other members of your family in another state or in another part of the country, they're like, oh, please, you know, we're just not interested. We're not there, you know? Right. Uh, so, so how do you navigate those things? So it's, it's super practical. I, it's really exciting. The stories bring to life, um, you know, what's happening all over the world. I would say it's, it's the book that is global. It's, it shows stories from many parts of the world. Yeah. It's, it's really exciting and it's, it's about really building legacies and changing the world through character. Well, Chitupa, you built us up. We're all <laughs> excited. We're all on board. We want to we get the book. Right. Where do things stand on the book's availability? And, I mean, do you need any help there uh, that, that you could put out uh, to make people aware of how they could get involved um, or... Or, or be useful, you know? Yes, brilliant. So I think um, a few things. The one thing is that we are looking for what I would call impassioned um, publishers, you know, mm -hmm. who, who really want to also change the world um, and, you know, really want to see this inclusion space get much wider and bigger than the current exclusion space so yeah really you know we're, we're looking for publishers who really get this um the second thing i would say in terms of practicality is what i would say is a call for action um you know and and really i i just want to leave five calls for action that that 
all the listeners and you know and and anyone that they talk to could um help us on this journey to get this out and so really it's about we say the first thing is to invite and what we're saying in this is invite people who look different from you who speak differently from you invite them as i said to your boardroom tables to your meetings to your picnic tables to your networks to your clubs to your you know if you're in a hobby group or whatever invite people who are different from yourself just do it right the second thing is welcome them right now welcoming is not the same as inviting right you have to invite them but when welcoming requires preparation right and welcoming is is really putting yourself in the other person's shoes and thinking where in my life have I entered where I felt really uncomfortable or I felt really uneasy I didn't feel welcomed and so make the preparation so that you haven't only invited people but that when they come they are super welcome they you know you 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 give them and you pull out your authenticity and the best of what you've got you engage with them right and dare i say you 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 start from day one to to show them what love looks like in the world that's welcoming right um the third thing is to actively engage um and care about others right and and this again is really about relationship building um everything that you do with individuals who don't look the same as yourself so we're building a relationship start you know there are so many commonalities between us in terms of you know family and you know as i said what do you like doing and what are you passionate about and all this sort of stuff right and then when you see that you have things that are in common i mean with with fred um you like growing rhubarb well i love making a rhubarb tart i mean you know people come to my house and that's the one thing that that they know me for i make a it's known as a rhubarb crumble but i was just like wow you grow rhubarb and i love <laughs> you know, that i mean it sounds it sounds like something really small but it's a starting point and you're both sort of passionate about it and you will find commonalities but then it gives you the foundation to really talk about the differences and the difficulties and the challenges well, and the struggles well, but it's building that trust so that you both feel safe to be able to explore these relationships well. then the fourth thing feeds into that which is really to be open and to be vulnerable right um so be open be vulnerable and be collaborative uh we can all you know we we're all going to make some mistakes along this journey let me just say that right but being open allows us to be explorative and allows us to to know that the common vision the goal is for all of us to move forward in our uniqueness in our diversity in our authenticity and that we each one of us has something profoundly unique and delicious to bring to the world 
right? And the fifth thing really is about empowerment, right? And empowerment is about enabling individuals such as myself um, and, and people of different diversities to grow in significant ways. And how do we grow in significant ways? By ensuring that, again, this is all about integrity, ensuring that we are put in positions and in roles and given opportunities where we are allowed to make decisions, big decisions, right? Um, and that through that process, we can both help each other. So decision-making processes, leadership processes, um, processes that enable us to be even greater role models, not only for black people, but role models for everyone. So that's the call for action. Invite, welcome, care for others, collaborate and empower. And I've got them written down. Yeah, brilliant. That is so incredible. Um, I, I love it. it. Makes makes total sense. And and uh, and you can go it's, and it's onto. Inviting. I'm, I'm, you know, you can also go onto the KRW um, International website, and you can have a look at at that call for action as well. You can uh, go onto my LinkedIn profile. You can just put in my name, Chitupa. I think I'm not. Uh, as of my last check, I think there's only one of me on there. Um, yeah. But you'll see me anyway as executive development coach. It's also on there. So please, yeah, please connect. Um, please let's talk. Let's have the dialogue. Let's begin together. Um, yeah. Uh, Chitupa, it, you, you can bring this power, like the power that we've all sit sat here and listened to and witnessed in you. I see, I mean, it's such an opportunity to bring into organizations. I mean, your presence, your conviction, your intellect in its application, um, man, it's, it's, it's so powerful. Can people hire you is obviously to do this within organization, within their organization. And how do they do go about doing that? Is LinkedIn the best way to, to, to connect? LinkedIn is the best way. And, um, Yes, that, 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 yeah, absolutely. The application within organizations is really what KRW and I would like to do together and really create incredible shifts moving forward and build new legacies within organization. And it starts with leadership. So, so yes, it, it would be a privilege to hear from, from those organizations that are really cutting edge and that, that really want to do more um and yeah recognize that you know they may recognize that they've done x amount and what we're saying is we're not negating the x amount what we're saying is let's look at the x amount but now we're just bringing all the good stuff on top of that to realize um you know all that you have done thus far and to ensure that the returns are for all of us um, thank you so much for being on the Return on Character podcast. It oh. was a true honor for me. Um, 
I learned so much, but most of all, I'm inspired um, to do better. And I'm honestly just grateful to know you. Uh, you're thank you. You're gloriously beautiful, good, intellectually uh, mighty hurricane uh, in the world. And I hope that your impact continues. And if there's ever anything more I can do to help further it, I am here uh, uh, to do so. It's been a real privilege for me as well. Thank you, Dan. Um, I am now a great follower of all that you do as well. um, and, And really thank you for impacting the world the way that you do. So I know that our paths will, this is just the beginning, right? Of our paths meeting. So I hope thank so. You. It's been a privilege. For information about investing in character-led companies, please visit www.rocinvestments.com and join the growing number of investors choosing to make character a priority when investing their money.